You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Ed Valentine along with co-host Pat Trena, and we're here today to break down the latest information on the one in five Giants. Patty, we're starting another week and uh, we're starting really the first week of, uh, of of the meaningless part of the Giants season. Yeah, it's uh, we're six weeks in and, and, you know, unfortunately we went down this path last year where the season was lost early and you know, uh, I just hope that it doesn't turn into a season filled with more drama like it did last year. I mean, that that would just be the pits. Oh, there's already been some drama, Patty, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully there won't be more. You know, but uh, but ten meaningless weeks, and you know, I, I I hate myself for this, but this morning at Big Blue View, I posted our first 2019 NFL draft order story. Oh, Ed, I Ed, hate myself. I hate myself, yes. but the Giants are sitting with the number one pick, Patty. So, you know, what are you going to do? I, I, I had to do it. Uh, I hate myself I for I, I, it. But... I, I, Ed, go go sit in the corner the rest of the day. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you oh, want me to goodness. do, Patty? What do you want me to do? <laughs> anyway, Giants fans. We are going to try to spin forward and use today's show to look at really to look at the Giants as they're currently constructed and look at really the three biggest problem areas, biggest decisions that they need to make going forward as uh, as they try to uh, to fix you know, a long-running situation of uh, what Mike Francesa on on Friday, I believe, referred to as as garbage football for the last six or seven years, and and honestly, as as much as I'm not a Francesa fan, I have a hard time arguing with the phrase. Yeah, I, I think you you can't argue with it. I mean, the results have not been there um, this year. We were kind of. I don't want to say tease, but we were led to believe that things would be different, that a fresh start would would rejuvenate this team, you know, new coaching staff, you know, new players. We were urged to be patient, that it would take some time for everybody to come together. And in reality, Ed, you know, I, I feel like I was duped a little bit because in reality, when you go back and you look at the problems from the past years, it was going to take more than a year for, for Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer to fix this. I mean, you know, the optimist in, in me was hoping that they might sneak up and surprise a few people. But the realists who I, I – I, the optimists suppressed should have just said, look, it's not going to happen overnight just as the deterioration of the roster didn't happen overnight. Well, Patty, I think that they were hoping that, you know, with the star power that they had on offense – and with the arrival of James Betcher on defense, I think they understood that the roster was a long, long way from championship caliber. But I think they were hoping that all of that star power would at least make them competitive 
while they tried to to fix all of the cracks in the foundation and and get this thing you know pointed in the right direction you know i i i wrote today and i i, I like this this analogy a little bit i kind of feel like the giants were were an ice cream cake you know heading into this season they were you know really really good on the outside they looked really good but they were really really fragile and the whole thing has just kind of turned to mush. You had it mentioned ice cream cake, right? <laughs> oh, oh, come on, Patty. Did I make you hungry? No, that's just my favorite dessert, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, no, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, it looked good on paper. You know, people, I know, I don't know about you, but when I did radio spots, when I, when I answered fan questions, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, repeatedly asked, how good will the Giants be? How many games will they win? And based on what I saw on paper, I said this team could go over 500. Um, they could, with a few breaks, win 10 games. But that was on paper. And as I said many times, which is why I don't like doing predictions, um, you don't know about injuries. Like nobody saw the Olivier Vernon injury coming. You don't know about other X factors that pop up. And that's why I kind of like to take it on a week-by-week -week basis because now you have a better feel for where the team actually is in its development and in, and it's in its meshing. And, you know, un unfortunately, um, the, the roster – between the roster turnover, between not having fully what they need in order to, to run the offensive system and defensive systems that they want, between the problems on special teams – you know, they still got a lot of work to do, and, and unfortunately, they're going to have to continue this in the offseason. Patty, let's get into the three real major decisions that the Giants have to make, the three things that they really have to work on getting right going forward, and those will be the three real segments of our show. The first one is quarterback. The second one is fixing the offensive line, and the third one is really fixing and upgrading a defense that right now just doesn't have enough talent. And obviously, you know, we'll start with the quarterback situation. We'll start with Eli Manning and and you and I have both supported Eli for a long time, but I wrote last week for the first time that really considering where the Giants are franchise-wise, where Eli is in terms of his play, it really is time for the Giants right now, you know, to to take a good hard look at what their options are going forward and to really start to move away from the Eli Manning era as, as Giants quarterback. Yeah, you know, it, it's unfortunate. And as you know, I have been very stubborn in my defense of Eli, you know, I, and I still to an extent am. It is not all his fault. But with that said, if you're going to, to fix everything, if you're going to start over, you know, put a new offensive line in place and whatnot, at some point you got to address the quarterback. You know, Eli has been a tremendous, you know, athlete for the Giants. He's been a great locker room presence. He's been a leader. He's been everything you could ask for, you know, and, and, and it's unfortunate that it's going to have to end this way. But I, I think you have to start 
planning for the future. You have to get the new talent in for the offensive line. You've got Saquon Barkley. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. under contract. You've got Sterling Shepard, who, you know, you're, you're probably going to retain. You've got Evan Ingram. You've got to let that offense, you know, grow together. And, you know, to, to, to stick with the same quarterback at this point, I'm not sure how much good that's going to do. Now, on the flip side, an argument that could be made to keep Eli is, well, you know what? He didn't have a good offensive line, so let's continue to fix that and see if we can get, you know, salvage what's left of him. But at some point, you just have to cut your losses. And, and you know, it pains me to say that because, again, I do not think he is fully to blame. But as I wrote um, from one of my analysis and breakdowns uh, on the offense – the game has changed. You know, it's become faster. This has become um, a game where where you as a quarterback, you know, if, you, if you're a classic pocket passer, unless you have excellent protection in front of you, you now become a dinosaur. All right. You, you have to move around in the pocket. You have to find ways to extend plays with your legs, especially if you're behind, you know, a shaky offensive line, which Eli has been behind for years now and you know it's just unfortunate that it's come that way but I think at some point they have to see what they have in Kyle Lawletta and then make a decision whether they're going to go with him moving forward or are they going to dip into the draft and take one of these these young quarterbacks that everybody's talking about. Patty I've said this a bunch of times and and I just think that you know when you look at Eli Manning now I mean the guys on uh, the NFL Today show Boomer Esiason uh, Phil Sims, Bill Cower were all talking about Eli being skittish in the pocket, Eli kind of looking at the rush, you know, getting rid of the ball before he has to in a lot of circumstances. And it's hard to argue with any of that. And I just think that over the years, it's been a lot of hits that he's taken, you know, working behind bad offensive lines for the last few years, a lot of losing football over the last few years. And, and all of that has a cumulative effect, and I just think we see that in the way that Eli plays right now. Um, I think when he's comfortable, he can still do some things, but he's not comfortable often enough. Um, I do think, as you said, you know that the movement away from Eli has to begin at some point this season, and it probably won't begin until the Giants are officially. Um, you know, in my view, anyway, at least it won't begin until they're officially eliminated from playoff contention. But the move has to begin by getting Kyle Lolletta on the field and and assessing whether they think that he's a guy who could play for them in 2019. You know, this is the hard part because we can all look at Eli and say. He's not the player that he used to be. But the hard part is replacing a franchise quarterback, whether or not he's still playing at that level. I go back to Phil Simms. The Giants released Phil Simms in 1993. They did not have another franchise quarterback. They had a playoff season here and there. They had a Super Bowl appearance in which they lost. But they did not have consistent quality, winning caliber quarterback play for 11 seasons. They didn't have a franchise guy until Eli Manning showed up in 2004. And this is the problem. It's it's easy to say 
his time is up. It's harder yeah. to it's just harder to to find the right replacement. Yeah, absolutely. And you make a good point, you know, um, and, and this is why you're going to get people who say, well, they should have drafted a quarterback, you know, and, and, and kind of don't me. like what, what I'll say that me. I, I'm on that boat. OK, well, well what I was going <laughs> to say is they you know, there are a lot of people who say they should have drafted a quarterback, you know, kind of like what, what the, the Chiefs did last year. Remember when they drafted uh, Patrick Mahomes and they let him sit behind Alex Smith. And then after a while, um, matter of fact, after that first year, they, they shipped Alex Smith to Washington and they turned the reins over to, to Mahomes, who is now, you know, lighting up the, the NFL scoreboard. So, you know, look. It's water under the bridge. You can't go back and, and, and undo it. But with that said, to the people who are still bemoaning that they didn't get Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen or, you know, Baker Mayfield, there are going to be other quarterbacks coming out of college that are going to be, you know, promising prospects. And at some point, I got to think that if Loretta is not their guy and they have to find this out, and I believe that they will at some point. Um, if Laletta is not their guy, they will look to, to, to dip into that pool. Now, the question is, is how they're going to, to end up getting it. And, and by that, I mean, right now, I believe they have the number one pick. We don't know for sure that that's where they're going to finish up at the end of the season. You know, I think it's safe to say they'll probably get a number 10 pick, you know, or, or not a number 10 pick, but a top 10 pick. But will they have to move around to, you know, to get what they need, assuming that they, they decide that they need it? That's what's going to be interesting because, you know, remember, they don't have a third round pick. Um, I believe they gave up one of their seventh round picks for Riley Dixon. So, you know, um, unless we're talking about trading away a player or something like that, I don't know how, how they're going to necessarily move up if they have to move up. And again, if they determine they need a quarterback. So just a lot of unknowns, a lot of variables. But I do know this, the day that Eli Manning officially gets benched, that and all, you know, that should be the end of him. I mean, I, I, I don't see him coming back, you know, from that benching unless, of course, there's an injury. I think that will officially mark the, the end of his, uh, his tenure with the team. And it's going to be a sad day. It will be, Patty, but, you know, you're also right, you know, and I, I look back on it and sometimes I feel like I'm I'm playing both sides of the aisle here because I understand what the Giants tried to do, um, you know, with the Saquon Barkley pick. I get it. You know, it, it, it just hasn't worked out. I mean, I was, you know, for a long time prior to the draft, I was on the Sam Darnold bandwagon, but the point is at this point that, it's, that's not the way the Giants went, but they still have a decision to make. They still have a long-term opportunity to get this right. As you said, the quarterbacks in the 2018 draft aren't the last ones who will come along. Um, and the Giants will, in the end, if they manage to get this right and have Saquon Barkley and have Odell Beckham, and still have all of those explosive offensive weapons, if they manage to get this right, they will look brilliant. Especially if it happens to be Kyle Lalletta and they don't have to do anything else. But obviously, if they're not able to get this right, 
you know, then we're back into what we saw in the late 90s, early 2000s. We're back into the Dave Browns and the Kent Grahams and the Danny Cannells. And, and we're back into just, you know, an era of, of you know, constantly looking for that guy. Yeah, and, and you know, otherwise, otherwise known as quarterback hell, which is where we don't want to be, you know. It, it, it's just it's really unfortunate it was a gamble that the Giants took and for the record I still like that they took Saquon Barkley because look they have not had a running game in years that has scared opponents and I think regardless of you know whether you agree with that pick or not I think it was a good pick because even when they do move on from Eli now that new quarterback has at his disposal a, a running back um, you know a running game so you know you don't have to necessarily worry, especially if you fix the offensive line, about the offense becoming as one-dimensional as the Giants had been of late. So I will never, ever, ever say that that pick was a bad pick because, you know, we have seen what that kid can do. I think but, that, you know, I was just going to say, Patty, I think it's the Giants picked a wonderful football player. And, and I think there's no argument about that. They picked an absolutely wonderful football player. And it's hard to argue, you know, with with any time you pick a great player, then then it's 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 absolutely hard to argue that that it wasn't the right pick to make. No, it, and that's my point. You know, he he is going to be a, a a staple on this team for years to come. So I have no problem with that pick. But you know. I think the Giants. You know, they they put all their eggs in in building around Eli. Unfortunately, it hasn't played out, you know, planned out the way they wanted it to. And they're going to have some really hard decisions to make, not just there, but also, you know, with some of the roster, you know, these bloated contracts that they have. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that Dave Gettleman's going to have to sort through. And, you know, we could sit here and we could probably map it out and be be right on 90 percent of them. But it's who 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 ever expected this would happen again patty let's take our first break for a word from our sponsors and then we will come back in our second segment and we will begin to talk about some of those other non-quarterback decisions that the giants have to make giants fans let's talk about advice patty and i are always being asked for it but one thing we can't do is tell you who is going to win or lose the games if you think you know You've got to check out MyBookie. MyBookie has been in business for years, has great online reviews, and offers an easy-to-use mobile site. You win, MyBookie pays. It's that simple. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and MyBookie will give you an extra $25 free play on deposits of more than $100. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate this special offer for our listeners. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here on Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As we continue talking about the one in five New York Giants and the the myriad of 
really, really critical decisions that they have to make. And Patty, I think we'll use this segment of the show to continue talking about offense, but let's focus on the offensive line where obviously, you know, Dave Gettleman walked in the door, um, you know, talking about the need to fix the offensive line, how much he loved the hog mollies, you know, how they had to get that right. And Pat Shermer walked in the door saying that the offensive line, you know, would basically determine, you know, how far the Giants went. And so far, the rebuild hasn't worked out. I'm going to just let you talk first about what you think about the current state of the offensive line and what decisions, you know, you think they need to make going forward. Well, I think, first off, you know, they had hoped that Eric Flowers would work out at right tackle and that maybe they could salvage him. But as we know, that did not happen. So now, you know, even though Chad Wheeler is is holding his own there, I think that's a position they're going to have to upgrade. I think they're going to have to maybe look to upgrade right guard because Patrick Omame has, has, you know, He's had some moments, but he's had a lot more bad moments, I think. Or Say it, or Patty. Least... He hasn't been good. Just say yeah. it. <laughs> okay. He hasn't been good. I'm trying to be nice here, Ed. My gosh. One of us has to be nice. Um, but you know what's interesting is, you know, I, as you know, I take a look at the cap on every contract that comes in for the Giants. And I firmly believe that the way certain contracts are structured, that gives you an idea as to what the team might be thinking for the long term. All right. Cause it's very rare in the NFL that a player plays through his entire contract, especially when he has a, a blockbuster type of deal. So, you know, you look at the contracts, like for example, you know, I mentioned Eric flowers, you knew there was no way they were going to, they were going to continue into next year with flowers. If they, you know, if he made it through this year, which of course he didn't, you look at Omami's contract and uh, I have that here right now. Um, he had a, let's see, a three-year deal, all right, with, um, let's see, it looked like 5.5, uh, I'm sorry, 4.5 million signing bonus. So they're going to probably, I would think, lop that one off as well because um, he let, next year he has $100,000 guaranteed of his base salary, a base salary that's $4.65 million to give him a cap hit of 6.25 million. No way he's going to see that. I, I just don't see that happening. You know, and then again, you can look, you can look across the board and say, okay, you've got this contract, this contract, this contract, but also in, in trying to anticipate what they're going to do with the various offensive linemen and whatnot. You also have to look at some of the other big contracts that they might lop off the, the team. For example, cornerback Janoris Jenkins. And I know we're going to talk about defense coming up. Um, but, you know, that's a contract that I would be very surprised if they carry next year. So just by looking at the contracts and looking at the numbers, you can kind of guess what direction they're going to go in. And then if you match that up against the free agencies, the free agents that are going to be available and where the strength of the draft is, you can kind of get a good idea as to how they might approach rebuilding the, uh, the, the roster. Patty, the question that we asked you know, way back, you know, when when uh, Gettleman came in and when all of the changes were made, when Nate Solder was signed and Will Hernandez was drafted and Patrick Omame was signed, the question that we asked, you know, all along was, will this offensive line be better 
or will it just be different? And I think at this point, the answer to that is different. Now, that said, I think that there have been good moves made by Dave Gettleman, and then there have been those moves that haven't worked out. I'm going to give him a pass on the right tackle situation on Eric Flowers for the simple reason that, you know, the Giants wanted to give everybody on the roster a clean slate. And that had to include Eric Flowers. It had to include, you know, giving him an opportunity. If that was going to carry weight, if if the locker room was going to buy into the clean slate idea, Eric Flowers had to be included in that. It just didn't work. I look at it like, okay, Nate Solder was an overpay, but Nate Solder was a good signing. Nate Solder was a move they had to make. He brought a veteran. He's not. He, he brought a veteran presence. He brought leadership. He's a good but not great player. He gives them the opportunity to at least be, you know, representative at left tackle for the next two or three years while they maybe, you know, look in the draft and and while they're able to look around and he gives them time to find a long-term answer at left tackle. Will Hernandez at left guard, second round pick, tremendous young man, looks like he's going to be a tremendous player. So I have zero problem with those two moves. I have no problem with the left side of the Giants offensive line. Um, the Omame signing, as we said, just looks like it's not working out. Um, and, and the other decision that I think we always sort of kind of questioned was what they did at center. Um, I think that even with John Jalapio, you know, before he got hurt, I think it was kind of obvious that the Giants didn't really have a long-term answer at center. Uh, you know, people still get upset about the trade of Brett Jones to Minnesota, I'm not sure Brett Jones was a long-term answer there either. I still am surprised, you know, at at the fact that Brett Jones wasn't given that job. Um, I'm not sure I like how the Giants handled the center position, but I I really think you know they they made two good decisions in Solder and um, and Will Hernandez, and really ultimately probably two bad decisions at center and, and right guard. Yeah, but, you know, it, it goes back to what we were saying before, Ed. You can't fix everything in one off season, And I think Gettleman did the best he could with what was available and the resources he had available. But look, when you start cleaning up the cap, and that's what he's done. Right now, the Giants have $30.27 million in dead cap money. And the biggest cap eaters right now are JPP's contract at $15 million and Flowers at $4.579 million. All right. When you have that much dead money, which I, I don't know, I think that's got to be in the top three. It may Let even me, be Patty, towards the top. I, I read Joel Corey's piece. I actually just read it, the piece that he did, uh, Joel Corey, the former sports agent and cap expert. To put it in context for our listeners, that number – puts the Giants at number two among teams in the league with the with the second most dead money on their cap, you know, in the league. And and when when you've got basically when you've got thirty million dollars on your salary cap that you can't tap into, that's a problem when it comes to building the roster. 
Right. And that that's that's where I was going with my point. I, I said I knew they were in the top three. I didn't know if they had moved up to top number one or number two. But you're right. I mean, think about it. What could 30 million buy you now? Every year a team's going to have dead money. So you can't necessarily avoid it. But what Gettleman has begun to do is he's begun to clean out some of those bloated contracts that Jerry Reese gave out that didn't yield, you know, anywhere close to the return on investment they were looking for. I suspect Gettleman is going to have to do the same thing again next year. And the problem now that that this is going to create is it's going to put the Giants in a bit of a bind because, A, they're not going to have a lot of money to carry over next year, which, you know, you kind of want to have, um, especially if you're rebuilding, which the Giants, you know, let's call it what it is. They are rebuilding, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. And, B, you know, now it just – kind of limits you if you really want to go all in on a particular free agent because they're not going to be one player away so they're going to have to maybe go instead of going for like a, an Andrew Withworth type of free agent they may have to go for you know another Patrick Omame type of free agent and it's just you know it's a, it's a process that's going to take multiple years to undo yes it is Patty and I we're going to talk about defense here in a couple minutes but you mentioned uh Jason Pierre-Paul and I just quickly, as we talk about the salary cap, I want to say one thing because I've seen this in my Twitter feed, you know, quite a bit lately. OJPP's got five sacks or whatever, and the Giants only have seven for the season. And this was a horrible trade that the Giants, you know, made sending him to Tampa Bay. I fully and absolutely and 100% support the trade of Jason Pierre Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it was an absolute heist to get a third round pick for Jason Pierre Paul. It was a it's an awful contract that the Giants had to get out from under. Um and and I don't care what the sack numbers are right now, you know, for JPP. He's doing that in Tampa Bay. He really wasn't, you know, playing up to the level of that contract in New York. And I I, I just fully support you know moving on from JPP yeah I think you had to I mean that was that was a bad contract I think to be given I understand why they did it but if you go back and 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 I know I wrote about this for a piece that's coming out with the athletic you go back and you look at the production and you look at you know the circumstances you know there's just no way I, I just don't understand why they even thought to give JPP the type of contract that they gave to Olivier Vernon was that necessarily the best use of, of their resources you know I, I I just don't agree with that I think it was a desperation move Patty yeah I think so too I, I definitely think it was, you know, it was JPP, um, you know, t- the first round draft pick in 2010. And, and let's face it, he was the first one, if I'm not mistaken, under the Reese era, uh, that they, that they re-signed the first, first round draft pick that they re-signed to a second contract. And, and, you know, Beckham, of course, is the second one, but you know, that's really not a good track record if you think about it. No, it's not. Patty, since we've sort of, you know, ventured into talking about the defense, uh, let's take our second break for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back and we will discuss the third thing that the Giants really need to uh, to dive into this offseason, and that is, uh, is fixing uh, what really has been a defense that hasn't been good enough. 
Hey, Giants Nation, need a little extra swag for game day? Loci has got your back with their brand new game day collection. If you haven't heard this name before, well, let me tell you about Loci. Their high quality bracelets come with an amazing message and support incredible causes. The Loci bracelet comes in Giants colors and holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. It's a daily reminder to keep balance in life between the highs and the lows. Since Loci is friends of the Locked on Giants podcast, they are offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets. Visit loci.com. That's L-O-K-A-I.com. And use the promo code GIANTS25 to take advantage of this amazing deal. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Traina back here on Locked On Giants as we continue talking about what the 1-5 in five New York Giants need to do going forward to try and, and get this uh, sort of listing ship, you know, pointed back in the right direction. And we've come to a point where uh, now we're going to talk about the defense. And, and, Patty, I'll just say this. I wrote this morning at Big Blue View that when I think about this defense, I think about Steve Spagnuolo in 2015 when he was brought back to the Giants, you know, for his second tenure as defensive coordinator. He talked a lot about how he wasn't a miracle worker. He wasn't automatically going to be able to turn the clock back and recreate the 2007-2008 defenses. Uh, you know, he had a different time, different players. You know, he was just a coach, and he would do the best that he could. And, and I'm thinking that the James Betcher situation is is pretty similar because Betcher had a top 10 defense in Arizona for three years before he came to the Giants, was looked at as, oh, we have Betcher now, we're going to have a great defense. The fact of the matter is he might be a wonderful defensive coordinator, but he doesn't have a defense with a whole lot of talent on it no he he doesn't have what he needs yet that that much i think is is clear and here's the thing you know you have to ask yourself are they looking to give him what he had in arizona when he had a top defense or are they saying to him okay you know what we're gonna you know make do with what you have and just, you know, tr try and evolve what you had in Arizona to fit the New York Giants Northeast style of defense. I mean, th that's a question you have to ask. But, you know, I think it was clear when we looked at this that there were some holes, you know, there were concerns at cornerback with the depth. There was concerns about, you know, free safety. Um, there was concerns about where the pass rush was going to come uh, besides from Olivier Vernon, who they ended up not having for five weeks. I mean, so a lot of question marks. But the good news is, is they have some good young players that they acquired through the draft. I mean, B.J. Hill is a, is going to be a stud. I think Lorenzo Carter is going to be a stud. Um, we don't know yet what R.J. McIntosh is going to bring to the table because it looks like his season is going to be just a redshirt year. So... 
it's it's a work in progress and you know i i'm not ready to kick james betcher to the curb just yet i want to see what he can do if he has you know all the pieces he's going to need and i think once he gets that it's going to be you know it's going to be nice to to watch oh i certainly wasn't suggesting kicking betcher to the curb i was basically just saying that that you simply can't automatically assume that because he had success in one place he was automatically going to walk in the door and be able to have success right away in another he obviously doesn't have all of the pieces that he needs you know pass rush uh, a free safety you know all the things that we've talked about all of the things that we were concerned about have been an issue and you know even the run defense which uh, which you know with Damon Harrison and B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson look to be a strength. Even that has been a question mark. The question becomes, what will the Giants do you know, going forward to get him the pieces that he needs you know, to build a defense? Maybe it's not going to be identical to what he had in Arizona, but to build a defense that he can work with. And that starts with, with you know, the, something that we, we touched on earlier, the fact that there are three veteran players with massive contracts, you know, that the Giants have to make decisions on at the end of this season as far as whether to keep them and, and you know, continue to build around them or, or you know, try to remove them from their cap situation and, and you know, go in different directions. And we're talking about... You know, Jack Rabbit. We're talking about Olivier Vernon, and we're talking about Damon Harrison. Yeah, I I think of those three. Um, I think Janoris Jenkins is probably not going to be on the roster next year because the Giants, as we've noted, they drafted Sam Beal in the third round, and even though he's not been able to get on the field, he's on IR at the moment. I think they drafted him with the intention of maybe getting him on the field um, sooner than later, which would be like next year. Um, Jenkins next year has, let me see, I believe it's a 13 million cap hit. Let me just double check that because I'm on 2018. Jenkins has a 14.75 million cap hit for 2019, which includes a 10.15 million base salary. No, and a one million roster bonus as well. No way he's getting that. I just don't see them carrying that contract. You know, I wrote for the Athletic that this so far through six games, Jenkins's NFL rating is its highest of his career, and you know this is this right now looks like a contract that that just isn't matching the production. You know, Damon Harrison is is an interesting one. You know, the, I, I believe he's 29 now. He's going to be 30. He's had some, you know, injury issues. Never missed a game for the Giants. Let's make that clear. But, you know, his practice reps have had to be managed. And then, you know, for what for, you know, whatever reason, you know, there have been grumblings about whether or not he's actually happy with the new system. I mean, he hasn't said he is or isn't but you know you wonder about him as well because he's due for an 8.6 million cap hit next year um you know but he's still playing well you know last week he did he he was kind of quiet but you know until that production drops off you think maybe he gets you know they they retain him 
Vernon is is, is going to be the, the the wild card now. You know, obviously, the last two years, Vernon, last three years, you can actually make an argument for Vernon's had injuries. You know, he played all 16 games his first year with the Giants. He has since missed games because of that high ankle sprain, an ankle that I wonder if it's actually ever healed correctly from last year's injury. Um, Next year, Vernon will have the, I believe, the third highest cap hit of the Giants. It's, uh, yeah, third highest behind Manning and Beckham. He will be due to count for $19.5 million. Um, and that includes a base salary, the prorated signing bonus, and a workout bonus. I don't think he gets that kind of money either. I think if they retain him and he's young enough and still, you know, can be productive enough if he can stay healthy. Um, but I think they're going to maybe approach him to bring down that number. There's, There's just... I don't see him, you know, carrying that contract. So those are the three contracts you got to look at. And then you also got to ask yourself, well, will they do anything with Alec Ogletree, who counts for $11.75 million next year? Um, Omame, as I mentioned, you know, he's got a $6.25 million cap hit. I, I don't think they're going to carry that one. Um, you've got Red Ellison, who is at 5.75, and I'm just going through the, the top 10 here. Kareem Martin, who has been kind of quiet, 5.516. So a lot of question marks um, and a lot of decisions, some of which I think are going to be easy to make and some of which I think aren't going to be as easy. Patty, I think that uh, you know when you look at those three players – I'm with you 100% on the idea that I think the most obvious one not to be back next season is Janoris Jenkins. And I'll be honest with you, uh, and and people will kill me for this, you know, Giants fans who, who are really enamored with Jackrabbit's talents, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. You know, you mentioned his, his passer rating. I think, uh, I think he's something like the 120th rated cornerback in the league at this point, um, which is just ridiculous. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, but on Thursday night against the Eagles, Janoris Jenkins played like he wasn't really interested. And, you know, considering some of what the Giants went through with Jenkins last year, you just start to wonder, you know, as as things sort of spiral downhill for the Giants, uh, you know, if if some of that uh, type of thing will will play into the Giants' decision, and uh, you know, because you just need guys that are committed, you need you need guys that are that are that will give you everything that they have, and and I'm sorry, I'm not sure of late that that we're seeing that from Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think, you know, he's making his bed right now and he's gonna have to lie in it. You know, whereas, you know, I look at Vernon, I look at Damon Harrison, those guys at least, you know, show a little bit more emotion. I mean, we, we both were there when Vernon stood at his locker and he had had a really good game and it would have been very easy for him to just puff out his chest and say, Yeah, I did my part. And when he was asked about, you know, how do you think you did? He said it wasn't good enough, but yet it was better than what a lot of his teammates turned in. So I think he cares. You know, I, I'm, I think Damon Harrison cares. I just don't, I just wonder how much Jack Rabbit cares, because as you said, there, there were times when he just, you know, you wondered about where his head was. 
Sure, Patty. And, you know, the Giants, they just have so many decisions. I think James Betcher is a really good defensive coordinator. I think we see some good things with this defense. I just don't think that, that, as you've said, you know, I don't think they have the pieces yet. But before we before we wrap up our show for today, I need to ask you, are you as concerned or mystified to this point in the season, you know, by the play of Landon Collins as I have been? I am. And you know what? I was so mystified by it. I went to Collins to find out what the heck was going on because at times his tackling, which was always very solid and very textbook like has not been as good. And I, and I went to him and point blank, I said, Landon, what's going on here? Is your arm still bothering you? And he said, no, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. And he, you know, he explained to me that teams were running away from him and he had a, you know, everything he had to get, he had to chase down, et cetera, et cetera. But it just seems like plays that have come his way, he just hasn't been the same. Something has been missing. And, you know, but yeah, I I have noticed it and uh, I I don't know what's up with him. I did go to him and like I said, I, I I waited out the crowd and I pulled them aside. I said, you know, what's going on? What do you what do you think is happening? Now, this was a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, I, I am for a guy who's in, in the final year of his contract and playing for a contract. You know, it, it's just uh, it's a head scratcher. And I don't know if it's because, um, you know, he's being asked to do something different in this defense that he wasn't doing last year. Um, I, I don't have an answer for that. I just know that I'm concerned because, as you said, his missed tackle numbers are way up. I I looked at it last night. He missed 10 tackles all of last season. He's missed seven already this year. His number of impact plays, you know, in the pass rush, you know, in in terms of, you know, creating turnovers and, and things like that, his number of impact plays are down you know he's been he's been picked on for a couple touchdown passes already this year so you know he's a wonderful player the giants need him to play like the landon collins of of 2016 i i think it's in there i wonder sometimes if uh, he's talked about how much he's being asked to do in james betcher's system he's talked a lot about you know how much is on his plate and and I wonder if that has something to do with it, but but I'm I'm glad to hear that that I'm not the only one who thinks that that Collins you know hasn't played up to the level that we expect from him so far. You know, I reached out to Pro Football Focus, our our, our media contact, because I was curious. I said, how many times has Collins blitzed this year versus last year? And the response I got back, um, you know. This is based on six games, a six-game comparison from last year to this year. Last year, through six games, he blitzed 23 times. This year, so far, only 12 times. So they reduced that, apparently, you know, in, in his table. But you're right, you know, you go back to what Betcher has said about, you know, Collins and just, you know, having him as that all-purpose Swiss, Swiss Army type of guy in the defense. But, you know... 
even though that's a compliment, sometimes less is more. And I don't know if they're if they you know asked Collins to take on more this year because you know they're trying to make up for it in other areas where maybe they're lacking or they feel they're lacking or what exactly the the, the situation is. But yeah, it it it's I just don't know what's going on there. I I, I know I asked him. Um, I, I see it on the film and. They need him to play like the guy that they saw two years ago, the pro bowler. Yes, they do, Patty. They need a lot of things. They need a lot of help going forward. You know, I think we've hit, you know, most of the major issues. Uh, You know, no easy answers for the Giants going forward. It just hasn't been good enough to this point. Uh, With that said, Giants fans, we will be back tomorrow with a Twitter Tuesday. We look forward to answering your questions. We look forward to talking to you then. So bye-bye. We will talk to you soon.